0: Steve. Ah, oh, my performance anxiety. Gregor. Oh my god.
1: And Greg. Hey, god. Hi, welcome to Maximum Collective. Excellent.
2: At the at the at the episode 20, Central Valley Helifest fun fly. Live ish after a recording. And potty break. <laughs> I can't be serious. I haven't had anything to drink yet today. It's ten o'clock in the morning. Well it's
0: twelve o'clock somewhere.
2: It is. It is. So we've got someone here with us. Hey. Yeah. Do we want to talk about fun flies first? No, let's not get on that topic. We have Ken. I can't say it. MF Marshall live on the us. Say hello, Ken. Hello there. So for those who don't know, Ken, owns, you get a chance to learn who he is now. Yeah, yep. he owns three or four helicopters. Three or four. By three or four, I mean like hundred. How many do you have, Ken? I'm down to 250. Last time I counted, it was 150. Now he's down to 250. And they all fly, right? They pretty much they all, all got Neos in them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they all have Neos. Yes, Brian and Gorgon, they all have Neos, but I think they all know them. Ken, I can only imagine your Ken
1: owns head. stock in the entire, <laughs> yeah. the entire
0: Mikado company. Yeah. Well, during the uh, hardware shortage, I think they're reaching out to Ken to see if they could
3: redo their stock a little bit.
2: Yeah.
3: Can yep. you I, off, Ken? I supplied <laughs> something. <people>. So, <laughs> yes, he so does.
2: Ken, tell us a little bit about yourself. When did you get started in helicopters? 1984. Uh, Robert Gorham, they're uh, doing a demo for the cricket and the competitor. Uh, and the competitor. Awesome. So 1984. So, did you just see somebody oh. to get involved? Oh, yeah. yeah.
4: But we, had, we I'd already flown a Mantis before that. You can't really call that a, a helicopter in a revolution. So, what is a Mantis for those of us don't know? not a lot of helicopter? A Mantis was a plastic helicopter in the early 80s. Thirty size or forty size? And it didn't. It didn't do much.
2: It just crashed very well. <laughs> oh, well that, that's that's a plus yeah. for those of you starting out. Crashing very well is a yeah, good thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh,
4: uh, when I saw the Cobra came out, that's when I had to have a helicopter. That's when I started really getting into helicopters. Is when the Cobra came out.
2: Now, uh, what year was that? 85 so we're talking mid to early 80s yeah. in this time frame so about the same time the best Van Halen album ever came out he started flying helicopters so I graduated
1: high school I was six years old
2: <laughs>
4: wow
1: <laughs> just want to throw that out there okay but... and I started
4: flying in helicopters and I gotta speak up yes oh I gotta speak up anyway uh I started flying helicopters and learning, and uh, it took me about 46 crashes, and I finally got sponsored. Uh, uh, He means 4,600 crashes. No, 46, I counted them. (laughs) Uh, I got sponsored by helicopters with Hobby Dynamics, Uh, formerly Circus Circus Hobbies. And I flew for them uh, until about 1995 or 6 in Hobby Dynamics uh, and called the Soul to Cox uh, Sanwa, uh, which is Airtronics. Um, JR asked me if I wanted to come over and fly JR products and the radios. Which I, I was already flying JR radios. So I said sure. So I flew for about two years for uh, JR. Uh, and did a pretty good job. Uh, I was glad that Curtis Young did all the demos. Uh, uh, in 1997, my brother came to me and asked me <laughs> if uh, I could stop flying helicopters for a while and go back to work He, he, he couldn't afford me taking five days off at of a time to so go to these events. And then he asked me, how do you want to retire? You know, on Social Security or in style? So I called up Lynn Sabato, our team manager at the time. I did uh, say, a leave a absence request, so well, I went back to work, and in 2016, uh, I found out that Robert Gorham lived four blocks from me, and Let's he had go. just lost Let's his belongings, uh, and uh, so I messaged him, Messenger. I asked him if he remembered, and he said, yes, I do, and we always followed each other uh, doing demos at Merced and Bakersfield, I said, yeah. Well, guess what? I got my own
2: flying field. So, now I got my own flying field, and we have some fans there uh, every year. Fully sponsored by Castle Creations, I might add. Ken is a huge fan, or at the time was a huge fan. Now that's a but fun. I met him, he was going on and on about Castle Creations and their government. No offense to Castle, but, yeah. but let's face it, there's some Robert letters sometimes. Robert by Gorham Castle. He was sponsored by Castle at that time. And he took
4: Castle in his uh, ESCs and all my helicopters.
0: This so, guy's barbecue a yeah. lot? Okay. That's, that's good. <laughs> wow! But so, yeah, yeah. Sorry. We'll yeah, like that yeah. So, you talked about um, the type of helicopter you flown. There's got to be a helicopter, a model, or an airframe in your past that has a special place in your heart. Forza. Forza? Yep. Yeah. Forza. Oh, the JR brand or the... J.R. Helicopter?
4: Forza. Probably the most well-designed helicopter. Okay. Especially uh, they fit in a lot of F3C. Okay.
0: uh, How many of those you
2: got? I got nine. You got quieter. I got nine. You got to speak up. And you got to talk to the microphone. Don't talk to uh, this man over here. Don't talk to boy number one. I got nine. See, nice. see the little graph, we're, we're giving a technical okay. thing, so you see the little graph, see how loud my voice is? See the huge spikes, everybody on the thing is turning down their radio right now going, shut up Steve. Well you've <laughs> always been loud Steve, so see, that's how loud you need to be. Good job. Steve right. Loudmouth O'Connor. <laughs> Steve. Yeah, loud mouth. I thought it was yeah. Steve
0: Otto O'Connor. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Otto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Auto Crash. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Otto, Otto <laughs> Smashing Grab. Otto yeah.
0: Smashing Grab. Yeah. Yeah. So, alright, so fours is what your favorite. favorite What's yes. your most unique?
4: Uh, the, right now it's the Takumi uh, made in Canada by Yuri Takumi. Uh, I bought one off of uh, Bryce Hatfield in Arizona. I liked it so much so I ordered another one. So, if you like it, you buy two. If you Do love that? it, you buy
2: as many as you can. Okay. So, Is that why you own like 10 plus Proto 700s? 14. Uh, yeah. 14? No, I said 10 plus. Yeah. Yeah. Very smooth helicopter. Nice.
4: And, and people were getting rid of them when Alex decided to uh, liquidate so uh, I got picked up a whole bunch of real sheep
2: in fact I got a couple of them given to me so, yeah. all right. All right. Yeah. so what have, let's talk about what you've done for the. Ken. we don't often talk about that so we we were having a conversation at breakfast this morning about how to do a fun fly and how to get more people and how to grow a fun fly and I'm not going to get started because I have the unpopular opinion but ken for example has a flying field there's electric there's a pavilion there is sewer outlets there's a hose there's 1450 nema adapters for rvs i mean you've added a ton of stuff and the last event you guys had 94 people and that's thanks to justin kaufman for all his awesome help everybody that's helped put on that event uh i was unable to attend because of my ankle but i mean you've done a ton of stuff you've helped a ton of people i think either you're buying somebody's helicopter so they can buy their next helicopter or you've helped people with parts or this or come fly come out to the field you've given them a place to fly i think even alex Rose kind of i don't want to talk out of turn with him not being here but he kind of thanked you like oh, yeah. keeping him in the hobby as long as cause he had a great place to fly yeah alex
4: actually told me that if i, I didn't he didn't have my place to fly that he was probably gotten out of
2: helicopter. This is the place you want to have. It. Ken's, Ken's place, yep. the ranch, is the place you want to have.
1: It. Yes, it is. And,
2: and I developed it, knowing exactly what a helicopter
4: needs to yeah. fly: uh, pads and facilities. Are you guys going to have it event
2: this year? Yeah,
4: or next year? I it's guess. It's going to be April 18th uh, of next year. It's a little bit warmer weather, so that we can have a little more fun
2: rather than rain.
4: Beautiful California weather. Yeah. Great food. Great place to
0: fly, right. a lot of good people to fly at, and California weather. Great bathrooms, great bathrooms. You got to
1: add that in. Yeah.
0: Well, because the people that bring their wives, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, they it's don't easy. necessarily go behind the tree like we do. That's right. And we got one bathroom. Oh, I'm supposed there.
1: to go
2: behind a tree? Yeah. Not in front of us, I'm not supposed to do it at well, the it, is, line? it is no. a ranch. <laughs> 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 I got one bathroom up there that's got a shower in For any of the vendors out there, we, we could do a potty break. Insert commercial while we take a potty break. If you guys want, it's just a new, new thing we're thinking of doing. Yeah. <laughs> is that your way of saying you need to go? And no. Yes, and
4: this potty break would be sponsored by Expert Servos. <laughs> <laughs> it was a
2: good
3: one. That oh that's good. That's that good. So, awesome.
0: so, what would you say is the part of helicopter flying you enjoy
4: the most? Socializing and getting uh, getting more people to go with me to fun flights. Okay. So, oh. like this year, I would be taking Justin Kaufman and Greg McGrath to, to your r- rodeo rodeo, rodeo. events.
0: Nice, because so that's one of the things we talked about this morning at breakfast. Oh, is we talked about how do we help these fun flies support themselves? Because there's there's a minimal amount of cost that you have to have. I mean, pay your event, you do your porta potties, your construction lights, those things. Those things
2: cost money, and really? there's a certain break. I'm construction lights. That depends the
1: weekend. So yeah. So yeah so yeah, we got a quote go for 800 this weekend right. so the you take
0: and add these costs up and now all of a sudden you figure out a certain dollar rate per person you've got a minimum headcount count where you break even right that's right so we were talking how do you get more people to attend fun flies There's a lot of people that don't come to these events we're not about why and i think that one of the things that you just said what we've done at our club is as you go back and let people see how much fun they are and you share how much how he is needs people you create those connections in the industry and the hobby that starts dragging people to them once they get hooked on it they want to go back you know we've got a couple people here from arizona that came know uh javier who we'll have on later on if he gets back to the fun fly. not danny not danny not danny, not danny. <laughs> um he'll tell you that part of the community is what he really enjoys as well you know?
1: yes but that's me hey, you know i would like to get some feedback if, if anyone's listening to our podcast. There's 12 of them now. We've yeah, 12 got, uh, of them, yeah. What do, you, what do you want to see? What drives you to the fun fly? Because uh, we'd like to know because we want to do our part in trying to do what we can to get more people to come to Funfly. So the more people talk about it and give feedback, the more we're going to be able to, you know, the better we're going to be able to fit those needs, you know. I've always wanted to do this. So in the comments below, leave right your, leave your uh, feedback on
0: what you like in a fun fly? what the things are that you want to see there. That. Yes, that's Let's very comments important. below And the ring the bell and subscribe. Was that there the you other thing? Are, you are we going to start doing this more thing, often? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah.
0: Oh, he's awesome. absolutely.
2: Gregor Yeah, we didn't introduce each other. We didn't, yeah, no, just I've just got did. the intro yeah, saved. Gregor, Gregor McGrath, well, yeah, but Gregor McGrath, for those of you who don't know, if you're still watching at this point... We got Ken, uh, not Marshall, <laughs> Steve something O'Connor. Otto O'Connor. It could be. This weekend so far, it's been okay. Um, and then we've got Great Greenleaf. Big, big rock. Rock. Oh, yeah. rock. Oh yeah, you don't look as big in person, you might want to get close to the camera. Big Bad Everybody, all weekend. Is that the 800? Is that the 800? Oh. Everybody. <laughs>
0: Everybody's been asking And then what you guys
2: don't at. see, Satendra, so come over and shove your face in here for a second. So, I'm technical, but I'm not AV. So, we got Satender sitting here helping out. And you guys that did come here and see his light show, we need Put to like, We need night. to do
4: a video
0: yeah. and yeah. like insert
2: and do a little I know we've had you on for the lights before but,
0: West Coast Lighting event. Oh my yes. god. We yes. need to do that. Yes. And really
2: maybe we could actually have a video and do a technical rundown of like what you do. Cuz the entire table, everybody at the Nightfly was around Satender and asking him a million questions. Yep. Yep. Get the recognition he needs. Charlie Rice, don't make me come over there and get you. We'll pull you, we'll on pull camera. you right on this camera. <laughs> Here's another 84. <laughs> nice. well, nice.
1: well, Ken, we,
4: we appreciate you. It. Yep. Thanks yeah. for everything
1: us. you do. Thank everything. For letting
4: everything. Me, yeah. yeah. Thanks for letting me get uh, on the show here.
1: No yeah. worries.
4: No
0: worries. And then we'll be right back after this potty break. From yep. Hilly Direct. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're All back. right, welcome back to Maximum Collective. And we have Jeremy Martin here who does the Fernley fun fly here in three weeks. He's yes. What is October? Three
3: weeks. weeks. 20th to the 22nd. 20th to the 22nd, yeah. But you guys, if you want to show up the 18th, 17th, the next week, whatever, we're ready. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so it's one of those open ended arrival moments, right?
3: Ex- exactly, yeah. Uh, we have this, We have our airfield shut down for our manned aircraft uh, indefinitely right now. so. Further notice. So yeah, whenever anybody wants to show up, uh, we got open camping. It's dry camping, uh, no hookups whatsoever. But you're welcome to come out and stay.
2: And when did that start? Nineteen? Uh, twenty. Twenty. Twenty twenty was our first year. Okay. So you've got a couple of years experience with Funfly. I had a great time. The food was great. Yeah. The hospitality was great. Everybody. It wasn't that big the first time around. We had what 25
1: 30 people.
3: Yeah, I think twenty eight was our, our first number. But uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Which but was, it was good. A, it was That's a good, good for time. The first time.
1: Every, it, if you like to eat, that's the place to it go is, it is. Yeah. Yeah, So
3: Everybody <laughs> at
0: this table, you can tell yeah. who likes to eat.
3: So yeah, you know, that's kind of my thing. I, I like to keep it like a friendly barbecue type deal. Uh, you know, you come, you eat, you you, know, you serve yourself, you put what you want on your plate, you want seconds, come back for seconds, you want a bag of chips in the middle of the day, come get some chips, get a
2: drink, we don't care. So what if I was to fly in? I mean, is there electric? Is there uh, enough people to share to, to go around? or? strategy so, standpoint, power utilization. Would Reno be the closest place to fly in if I wanted to come in. Yes, Reno. Reno would be your uh, your best bet so you, for flying. You a could fly literally in. bring the wife, drop her off at Reno, yes. and then you could come to the Fun Fly for a day. Absolutely. And the Bunny Ranch isn't that far. The, from the
3: there. Bunny Ranch is right on the way. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> drop <her in> the <laughs> wife at the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> no, was, yeah. So you got you got uh, Mustang Ranch is right there on the is way. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if you don't want to go to Mustang Ranch, we do have Mustangs <laughs> at the field. They walked yeah, literally. I have, I have seen the horses out there. That was really
1: cool. When we went to the hotel together, um, yeah. there were mustangs. The I, I thought we were going to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah, happening. yeah. For that's that's, that's right. That's right. Hey, let me just say this: there was a V involved, a V control. All right. So back to the topic right here. <laughs> all right. So know, that sounds really bad. That could go so many directions.
2: Wait, so we talked. <laughs> we're ten year olds. What do you expect? Yeah. yeah. Well, food. Food's off the hook. What do you cook? So hot dogs, hamburgers. uh, This is not just a good hamburger.
3: This guy's got some recipes here. Um. So no. So like, our we do our we do our own uh, marinade on our tri tips. Um, We'll be doing tri tips and uh, smoked ribs this year for dinners, and then uh, we're gonna do carne asada and chicken, and maybe some pork tacos for lunches. We'll see how many uh, people we got coming, and I'll be there. Yeah, I'll. Yeah, (laughs) we plan on that. (laughs) So yeah, there again, we're uh, we're gonna tacos. We we. and even when we do hamburgers, we, we buy the good stuff. You know, we we like to. I don't want to serve something I don't want to eat. You know, that's that's so no
2: no vegan plates. No
3: vegan plates. You no, if you if, if you want a salad, you know, it's gonna be my wife's how? pasta salad. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever had my wife's pasta salad, but it's not really a salad. Don't go
2: there. <laughs> so how big is the field? I mean, it's pretty endless. That that's um, an entire run, airport runway.
3: Yeah. So we have uh, a little over forty-two hundred feet of runway and only 4200 feet yeah so, add, so for those who are good at sliding
0: autos
3: you Even got i can't road. make that whole thing well you know it, the one thing you would do is you probably hit a crack or two trying to slide an auto up there um the runway does need some repair for you know for plane guys for us helicopter guys it's just fine you know, it's uh and we're working on that we're doing some matter of fact we're doing a work party this next weekend uh, doing another couple hundred feet of our, our runway patch and, um say uh, anybody wants to camp, you camp right up on the flight line. There's nice. endless room. What's, uh, can... what's the weather expectations? Uh we've... Gonna jinx uh,
1: me here. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's, okay, let's, okay let's, then we won't talk about. The oh, expectation uh, is it's it's gonna be good. Every the weather was good. At, yeah.
3: the, the, every year we've had we've had absolutely perfect weather. It gets chilly in the night. We are in the high mm-hmm. desert, but you know we um, we're sitting here with rain
2: in California, right? And yeah, so I mean you, you can't tell. You can't. Tell. I blame Gregor for that.
3: No, but no. I mean, in the years past.
2: Of this time of year is
3: one of our best and mildest times. You know, it's not too hot, not too cold, not too windy. Uh, this is why we chose, you know, the October season rather than the spring season, because spring, you know, every day is 25, 30 mile an hour. So, right. So. so anything else we want to talk about your event or anything
2: else?
3: Uh, well, I, Miniature Aircraft has donated a uh, interceptor gasser for
2: the event. Um, if you haven't seen this, you've heard us talk about it before. It, it's a badass machine. It's a badass machine. I'm not machine, a gasser person. That's no. a badass
3: machine. Uh, yeah, Cade Pompa told me on it, uh, who is here today right now. Um, I can't recognize him lot his hair. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he debuted that at, at, at Marshall Ranch in, uh, what was that, April? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, they, did, they came out and they debuted it. And, uh, we got to talk with Joseph and Judith quite a bit. Talking to all you K know, Joseph all- quite often, and uh, they've been so generous to donate a, a, a gas kit to the, to the motor So, now. this is a motor and a helicopter? Uh, no, as I haven't received it yet. As far as I know, it's just a kit, but okay. the okay. kit itself is a bucks. Right. So, is it just the helicopter and no motor, or does it come yeah. with the gas I haven't received oh, no. it yet, okay. so. Um, but now
0: the motor that it's set up for is the OS GT 152. 152, okay. And, yeah, and
3: and they do offer that there. Uh, the, the miniature aircraft does have those in stock, and then we'll sell them to you for I believe the price of $600. Nice. With with pipe, with a with a uh, power boost pipe. Okay. Uh,
2: awesome. And it's not. I'm, I'm picky about my North. This is not a loud gaser
3: it's, it's actually, actually
2: a pretty mild sounding gas.
3: Yeah, it almost sounds like a
2: nitro. It almost sounds. Nice. No, it's not that... Uh, we had the guy at that didn't like the uh, the gasser. It was a loud gasser. And uh, this is not like that. This is actually a pretty good sounding so Awesome. Well, it sounds like a
0: pretty good event to get yep. to. And it's a great price, great
2: food, and a great venue. I know a couple we- of us will be out of your event, so... Are yeah. yeah, so you going to make it, All Steve? to right. yeah.
3: I'm blowing my
2: uh,
1: wand here and come out
2: here. Hey, yeah, no worries, man. Thanks,
3: thanks for the support. Yes. Well, thanks for being on the show.
1: All right, thank you. Good deal, guys. And Ego Drift will be in
2: full <laughs> effect out there. All right. We'll be there. <laughs> yes,
1: thank you, Vance. All, right. All right. guys. And uh, so now we've got Jesse Cavros here. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you know who Jesse Cavros is. Uh, right. But, Jesse, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and. and uh, you know, like how long you've been in the hobby, and, sure. and where you've been, and where you are now?
5: Yeah, uh, so yeah, Jesse Cabros, for any any of you who don't know, um, been in the hobby since I was an infant, honestly, but um, actively flying was probably when I was around 10, so I'm almost 30 now, so probably close to 20 years, which sounds bizarre. Um, I feel like I'm 12 years old at times, but uh, <laughs> we'll go down that other road. <laughs> Aren't we all though? Uh, <laughs> No, but uh, I mean, I just got involved at a young age, didn't really take a liking to it initially and kind of um, slowly kind of grew into liking it and got on a simulator that my dad got me and taught myself how to fly over the course of two years. Never touched a model. Um, At that point, he saw that like I could do aerobatics on the simulator and he's like, man, I need to get this kid a plane or something. So I actually started out with little foamies because they were cheap easy to fix, cheap to crash, so I kind of got all that stuff out of my system then and actually was fortunate that I had a family friend that lent me an old t 450 like plastic frame, wood blades, nice. 401 gyro, bare bones, 3S2200 setup. A lot setup. of people started on that. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, so Learned everything that I could on that as much as I possibly could and kind of just graduated to T-Rex 600, 700 nitro kind of took off from there and put out a few videos of me flying and eventually was fortunate enough to meet Kyle Dahl and um, he was my main connection for getting into Mikado and kind of going through that whole rabbit hole of all of that stuff so I was in Mikado for years and years and years.
1: And and that's when I met you, when you were on Mikado at a a very young age and you and seeing you and Kyle all around it was just incredible because you know if you two were on the flight line it was going to be a show you know
5: (laughs) we I think you and I probably met at like the Sacramento fun Fly. yeah yeah, which is oddly funny that we're very close by to that yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah so um
5: yeah we probably met in like 2008 or seven or eight was one of my first years I went Yeah. yeah easily yeah yeah so it's it's been a long time we've known each other but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been fun. It's, the hobby's really given me a lot of places to go and, and um, met a lot of great people along the way and kept a lot of good friends and kind of grew it into my job. So, okay. you know, now I'm building UAVs and doing mechanical engineering for a UAV company startup. So that's awesome. It's, uh, that's awesome. it's kind of all evolved and been really good. I have a question for you.
2: Shoot. So obviously you have to work it to be at your level. For those of you who don't know, he's one of the best pilots in the world. I'm definitely one of his biggest fanboys. And now that I've gotten to fly with him at the ranch, you just, you get to see, when you see, you watch Kyle Stacey or Kyle Dahl or yourself at an event, you only get to see them banging around at that thing. But to watch how they work in the back end, and I've gotten to see Kyle do that, both Kyles, I've gotten to see you do that. It's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. How much of it is talent and how much of it is dedication to what you do? I mean, you obviously have some raw talent that I obviously don't. But I've, I've done a lot of work and let me tell you, I'm nowhere close. So how much, how much of that, when you were really into it, when you were, you know, the a top Mikado pilot and you know, how, how much of that was
5: dedication versus natural talent? Do you um, think? It's hard to really put an, an exact number to, of course, it's kind of always going to be an average, um, where people have natural, natural talent in flying, is not necessarily the maneuvers. It's sort of the brain power of figuring out how everything fits together. Um, And what I mean by that is you can pick apart somebody that's in a super aggressive flyer and say, hey, yeah, they can smack great. But if you really focus on what's going on throughout that flight, stick movements from an exact stick movements um, perspective, it's almost all the same stuff that they're comfortable with just sort of funneled into all these different areas and they but it's a smack flight so it kind of has that same resemblance it's collective rudder and a stir of the cyclic um when you start getting into the more precision side of aggressive 3d i guess um kyle had a really good really good way of like mentoring me when i started because he really focused a lot on the precision stuff. And one of those things that I picked up from him a long time ago was if you can do it to the left, you gotta be able to do it to the right, right? If you can roll left, you need to roll right. If you can spin the tail left, you gotta spin the tail right. <laughs> all that means is it gives you more of a d- diverse like background. To learn that stuff is just dedication, right. right? We all, as humans, we all have a favorite side, right? If you're a right-handed person, you favor with your right to write a paper, right? But in this case, I had to sort of reteach my own, like myself, my brain, um, not only like how I held the sticks. Like, I used to fly as a thumb pilot, both sticks, and now right. I'm a, th- a thumb on the right on the cyclic and pinch on the left. It's your hybrid, hybrid. So it's a hybrid thing that I picked up from Kyle. Right. And what that gave me was the ability to have a little bit better collective and throttle control if you're flying nitro versus electric, right? Um, and still give me the range of motion that I wanted on the cyclic. It's not for everybody, but being a few years into flying where you're already comfortable with something and then having to tell yourself, I need to switch yep. or else I won't get any better, uh, was really tough to learn. So, so that's how again, you grew. Simulator so, you know, Hey, also, I need to. Yeah, so simulator stuff, simulator stuff. I probably spent thousands of hours on real flight when I was a kid and to me it was my video game, but at the same time dedication. I was learning. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I don't have that now because well, I have other gotta, priorities, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but back then I needed to now the biggest thing that's the differing factor between the guys that are at the top and even my level right Um, you know I haven't I never won anything I placed okay in a lot of different areas Mm -hmm. but never technically won anything Um, but the difference between me getting a fifth place in a music flight and Kyle a first place in an entire event is where you can fly he can walk out of his house and go fly when he was competing. Nick Maxwell can walk out of his door and fly 30 flights if he wants to every single day of his life.
2: You mean down there in south? uh, Yeah, south Alabama? Yeah, well, yeah. No, I'm talking about there. There's nowhere to fly?
5: Yeah. No, I mean, in Hollister where I'm at now, there's places to fly, but I can't walk outside and do it. Right. So That's that's a big
1: difference. I mean, just
5: packing up that's a huge thing and all that means especially when you're a kid in high school and you're competing against everybody that's also in the same scenario is he could walk outside and do 30 flights after he got home from school I had to go home pack up a bunch of stuff try and beat daylight get my dad to drive me down there big scenario big process. I would like to know
2: who's done 30 flights I mean, you might have. I don't think I've ever... I think the most I've ever counted was 17 flights in a day. So... I've never, ever been...
5: Well, when a, you when you go back through back this, you start finding your numbers. Right. And what I mean by that is there's a threshold at which I found for myself that I lost all control, patience, um, it's it precision. It's time to a go You, get you a have to and... stop. Well, you it's have a tolerance to...
0: level, right? right? Right.
5: And so once you reach it, you can keep flying past it, but you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, And and what I mean is you're not learning anything. You're frustrating yourself. And so you have to find those numbers. So you're going to have the days that are frustrating. You're going to do five flights and be like, that was the worst or the best. But then you might do that sixth flight or the 10th flight. And you feel like you regressed instead of progressed. Yeah,
2: you're just your brain. It's because it is mental.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So the toughest thing for me was fighting daylight. And then at the same time was trying to pack in so for me 3d masters or heli um heli masters or whatever it's now called global right. 3d all sort of the same event but when i competed in that in 2011 um i got dropped a phone call that daniel katsav was not able to go can you go and can you compete because we already have an entry that we paid for okay that was <laughs> they gave me like two and a half to three weeks to figure out that's a lot of prep freestyle set a uh, flight to music and sets And I was flying with a Logo 600, which we all know, smaller helis aren't great for presentation. So it was a lot of work and a short amount of time to figure out everything. And that has to add a level of stress to you, which doesn't
0: help in that that
5: limit that you're talking about. No, no, absolutely. So what I ended up finding after all of this was six flights was my number. Wow. Six flights a day. That's all I could do.
2: It's funny because Nick Maxwell is walking by right now. And then I was talking to him earlier. You guys set yourself on such a pedestal. So for those of you that I've helped do an auto and like Steve AutoConner, I'm fairly decent at autos. Jesse Caravos could walk up and do an entire book and teach me how to do an auto and, and laugh at me for that one. So for those of you that never be afraid to ask and like he's, he's sitting there talking about his threshold
5: of like you said, six flights. So you go out practice for six flights and then you gotta, that's it, take yeah, a break. For that particular competition, it was two freestyle, two sets and two flights to music. And that's all I could either A, get in time for, or right? Like get enough for the right. amount of daylight I had, or B, mind wise. I mean, that's your biggest hurdle. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. a lot of it is your biggest hurdle. The, the thing about especially set maneuvers is that's sort of one of those like weird make or break flights and all of that stuff. Um, and I just didn't have enough time to practice that. Like, time to practice, meaning I didn't put enough effort onto set maneuvers myself. Not that it's anybody else's fault. It's my fault for that. But you can only learn so much in a short amount of time. There's only so many orientations that you can get comfortable with in such a short period, even as a kid. So yeah. that's
0: interesting to me hearing you even say that. Hearing Jesse Caverill say, I, I didn't have time to get comfortable with more orientations. I'm like, what?
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're <laughs> worried about those orientations trying to pick out one maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> How did he do that? Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of it now that even I look back and I'm like, wow, well, I didn't even know I did that. Right. At that time, it was kind of cool, but that's what you strive for. And so, again, you go through all of these events trying to be unique, and you try to be aggressive, and you try to be precise, and then you, you know... Try you, to set yourself apart from the rest of the Set yourself apart, and then after all of that, put it all together. Do do every single flight, every single day of that competition as good as you possibly can. Yeah. Wow. It's super, super tough, and I don't think that a lot... Under, there's not, like, a great understanding of... How much actually goes into it? So when you see the guys that are like Kenny Coe's, or Kyle Dolls, or Jamie Robertson's, or Ben Storick's, like to win, or Kyle Stacy's, like all of those guys, Mitch, everybody, Nick, to win all those events is a lot of work, and it's super tough. Yeah. I mean, there's like a level there's, and this is just the way my perception of it in my head is, but there's like getting to a, a pro pilot fully sponsored can right. can, can compete level. Right. And then there's a top five actually going to have a chance at winning at level. And those guys are where I feel I never got. Um, I was going to say you're definitely in that
2: first level of competitiveness and everything else. I can else. be you're competitive
5: for sure. Uh, but if I, you have the time and everything else. You need a lot of dedication to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like incredible. anything. Yeah, yeah. Like I look anything. at
1: the set maneuver lists and I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, it's such a high level and... You, know, the practice. you better and, hope there's not a hero loop in and there. Go, and go yeah, and going back, <laughs> sure. And and going <laughs> but if you had back, you a
2: in uh, auto for you. Yeah, to... yeah, yeah. minor fugly, yeah. so I don't know what to tell you.
1: You have the, one th- Going back to what you were talking about, you know, when you broke it down in terms of like a smack pilot versus a, a precision smack, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Mick kind of integrating the two together. Yeah. What I always, I was just having this conversation with uh, somebody recently, and your name kept coming up because there's there's these pilots, and Nick is involved in this conversation too, in the sense that you've got these smack pilots that are just like, man, these guys are throwing down, blah, 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 and it just looks, it's chaos, it's chaotic, they've got all this stuff going on. And then you look at somebody like you, or Kyle Dahl, or or Nick Maxwell, and you look at your guys, your flight styles, and it is just, it's just mind boggling, but if you break down your maneuvers, What's interesting to me is he's like, oh, he did a he did a half roll to a left rudder or a right rudder to another half roll and, and and a collective push going you know forward forward elevator one direction and you're going this that section of inputs were so basic, right? But on but so complex at the highest level that it's just if you break it down in section by section, and it's so it's done so precisely, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So, so it's perfect. like it's just pre- and and you can't and and I almost feel disrespectful saying that it's that's the most the most basic input, right? Mm-hmm. A half roll with a half rudder to a you know, and you break it in down into that, and you're like, it looks like it sounds basic, mm-hmm. but it is so far from basic yeah. that it's not even funny and to me that is flying a helicopter you're you're flying it intentionally you're not catching when i fly i feel like i'm catching the helicopter Mm -hmm. into my comfort zones every single time and it's repetitive it's the same every single time but then i look at like your style and i'm like i need to go back to the basics i need to do forward figure eights backward how many figure don't eights, do to inverted, go back to the base you know and, and honestly if you no, said, seriously yeah you no. sit
2: here and critique somebody you, i was flying i think everybody did you, did you see that, that elevator bobble right. well i mean i didn't until so you just pointed it out right and, right. and you don't see that there's right. there's I, you're
1: comfortable i was doing i was doing aileron tiktoks and nick oh. goes you need to turn your your para comp off and i'm like what and he goes look at your tail just hold it in one spot and you TikToks, a on TikToks, and my tail was going bit, bit, bit But bit, you need bit, that, that external bit. input to, like you were and talking about that it.
2: level of critiquing, that perfectness. Right. You would need, he's over here critiquing his stuff. You need Kyle Dahl to critique your stuff. You can't, I, I just look at that, that's awesome.
1: Looks great, Jesse. You need somebody yeah. that's so <laughs>
2: detail oriented. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so, just such an interesting When a
1: guy model. first starts
0: flying, they don't see 99% of what goes on on the helicopter. No. But as you get, a, as you start getting better and better, the world slows down the model slows down. All the inputs slow down. You start seeing the things that occur before anybody else at the table has a chance to even know they existed. Right. You know, and that's the thing that I found is, as I've improved over the years, I'll start seeing things like a year ago stuff I, I know it existed last year, but this year I'm seeing it. So yeah, that bobbles always been there. I've just now started to see it. Yeah. So, and I can only imagine what you're
5: seeing. Yeah. I mean we we as in a lot of top pilots go through a lot of uh tuning if you will i mean it's a simple way to put it basically but what i mean by that really is um you have to learn what does what and every parameter in there makes a change but it's what change is it making and is it better is it worse and then how do you find the balance of every single parameter in that and, and so, that's the cause and the unintended of consequences too. of the right. adjustment, right? Yeah. So, you have to kind of play with it. But I think what scares most people is hey, if I take this value from 70 to 80, something bad might happen, right? We all have, everyone's got money involved. Yeah. When you're a fortunate sponsored pilot as a kid, you kind of just start playing with things right. and see what works. So, you can kind of mess around. Now, I've never. Made a parameter change and had a crash because of it, so I can't say that it's ever actually happened to me. But I know that fear when I'm building other models for Ken or I'm building other models for friends and I'm setting something up and I'm like, hey, you know, I might take my stuff to an extreme limit of tuning, but I know that I can get to 95% of the model's potential with spending 30 minutes with it versus spending two hours with it.
2: I have an awesome example. So Justin Kaufman did this weekend, it's like, well, Steve, you know, you really just need to do this. And I've always come in and taken, I mean, I've learned PIDs and everything else by taking it from one extreme to the other, and it's real obvious when you're, you're wrong. Yes. But most of the time you just land, it's fine. Yeah. So I haven't used paddle simulation on a V-bar since V-bars, not on V-control. I haven't done, I haven't touched paddle simulation. And I've, I come from fly bars. hmm So I turned, I bumped it right up to 50, I mean, just to see what it did. Yeah. And you can definitely tell a difference. I can't keep a tech, TikTok in place for the life of me on a fly bar, So it's always been that since I could do it on fly bar. I've never been able to do it decent. Sorry, I, I bumped it up to 50. And I bumped it to 30. And I bumped it to 20. And then I went to 40. And I ended up back at 50. Yeah. I have paddle. If you fly one of Ken's stuff, paddle, sim, paddle sims at 50. That's me. And to be honest <laughs> with you, I can sit there and just hold a TikTok. and just, It doesn't matter what we're, did, 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 did. Yeah. And it works. And that's the only changed thing i changed. 40, yeah. It changed a lot. I'm,
5: I'm the guy that turns it off just so you know.
2: Oh, yeah, well, you're just
5: a bazillion times better than me. And the thing but is. But I did is, start on
2: Flybox. Yes. No, I know you did. The point yeah. is is that Justin's have been flying for three years. Right. I've been flying for 16, and, and here he pointed this out to me. You're never. Your external input is awesome. Nick saying that to you, you know, us talking about whatever, you just keep getting better, so you don't even Man. get get a thing. Every time I see you, Greg, you're, you're improved. You're, you're improved. <laughs> yeah. There's I know, when you start
0: out as bad as I was, just being able to hover is a massive improvement. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Javier, Javier, and this weekend yep. and spending time with Nick and Chris and, and what was going on with that. That's that's. And He's I doing think, tumbles oh, and you know. Yeah, all that's craziness. totally awesome. I think yeah.
5: I think one of the big things that's like a learning lesson for a lot of people that are sort of getting into it is, you unfortunately have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's the only yeah. way you're yeah. going to get better. I agree. And Absolutely so, agree. Like you, like Gregory was saying earlier, going back to the simple maneuver that might look very technical or is it is very, very technical. It, yeah. Um, The differentiation between being comfortable with something like that and being uncomfortable is, and you can tell if you're actually looking for it, and this is what somebody that's been trained by somebody who's very, very technical looks for. Thank you, Kyle Dahl. Um, But also, I hate you for it. Sounds like a showdown to me. (laughs) I'll get walked on every day of the week on that one but it's one of those things where when you can see how the maneuver flows and what i mean by that is there should virtually be no seam of oh you can see they're now giving aileron oh you can see they're now giving elevator it shouldn't be a stabby input thing it's how good you can flow that maneuver together and how Level can you keep it? How straight on center line are you doing? Are you doing even on both sides? Are you keeping the proper distance, the yes. distance the, across the flight line? And that, and that, yeah. Yeah. And that's so ex- tough
1: to do. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was talking about, you know, or and it, because you know, you you might be you might be disc out and pushing forward elevator, and then roll it back the other direction, and then rolling it, you know do a half roll, and then pushing, now now your skid's out, or skid's in, and folding it back this direction, and, but it's perfect every single time, like, it's hard to explain, it's just, it's just, they look like simple maneuvers, it looks like, I mean, they are, when you put, but when you put this maneuver and that maneuver together, you put all of it together, and it's the right height, the, the right distance from, your center point to your left to your right you know it's it's so complex and yeah. and and that that is such a hard thing all to all basics right yeah yeah it all starts with it basics does. and so <laughs> i've been going sorry i've, I've been going back to uh <clears throat> myself recently just because i spent a lot of time in the shop machining now so i'm i'm literally going you know what because i think about it and i've you know just being down at the ranch you know and i've been had a lot more time to watch you fly and I'm sitting there going, you know, I need to go back to the basics. And that's what I've been doing just to get more comfortable with things. And you just, you don't realize how well it sets you up for, you know, stirring maneuvers. You yeah. know, it it, it it adds so much dimension to well, it.
0: Just you, ta- you both talked about centering your flight on you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but also being left and right-handed, having the ability to go- do left and right, rudder, yeah. do left and right rolls, left and right, everything. Yeah. From the standpoint of putting a flight together, if you are handed, you're going to find that you live on the right-hand side, and you might look good over there and have a flow. Everything flows and transitions well. But on the left, it's a hard stop, turn the thing around, and fly back the other way type thing. Yeah, yeah. And then that just leads you to being more and more handed, yeah. right? Yeah. So breaking down and force yourself to do those uncomfortable things, to get out of your comfort zone. Now, there's a big difference between being uncomfortable and flying beyond your skill set, right? Absolutely. So that's always the challenge that new pilots and all of us have is not pushing ourselves to something we are beyond our skill set, but recognizing uncomfortable is where you get better. It's the whole work on the weakest chain link of the chain, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. That's awesome. Well, yeah,
0: there's a lot to it. <laughs> but there's other things in his life that has occurred recently,
5: right? Did yeah.
0: Ask about those things.
5: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, five weeks ago had a newborn. So congratulations. A new, son. A new model. Uh, yeah. A new model. Yeah. Okay. It's a uh, baby boy. Um, <laughs> and he's doing good. And my wife's doing good. So we're just awesome. kind of going through that whole new portion of life and trying to get all the flying in that I can and get all the time spent with my my new baby as well. So been a fun learning experience, so now I'm learning all the n- new things that some of you or all of you guys have been through now, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the teacher becomes a student. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and, and
1: typically what happens is the, the helicopter flying becomes less, Yeah. but it comes full circle because then you get to get your boy into yeah. it, and you get to go, and, and it, it's a special thing.
5: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah. I've always been, I the one thing I can say after all of this stuff is my dad never taught me how to fly. But he always left the door open that if I wanted to, I could. And I can't thank him enough for not pushing me to do that because I think, knowing myself, I think I would have turned face the other way and right. tried to do something else. Yes. Um, but it's a great hobby to get into. It was. I'm glad that he just supported me and was able to drive me to events and right. you know have the background. I mean, the most uh, helpful stuff that my dad ever had taught me was setup and wow. that's where a lot of this stuff starts yep radio setup very very start good here you got to move here and then you get to here yeah. there's all these building blocks to it and when you don't have that foundation you learn you can learn the total wrong way yep. and then your model never applies the same yeah. so i am forever in debt to my dad for teaching me all of that stuff and being there along that way saying you got to do it this way do you know? Fix this, it'll be better if you do it like this instead of this. So that's a that was a massive help and you know I think the best way any kid can get into the hobby is just having support from their parents and yep. and no pressure. So a big shout out to Perry. Big shout out that's to my standard. dad. <laughs>
0: and not you know a little foreshadowing there, but about 14-15 years. Think about global 3D. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cabros yeah. 3.0. That's right. There you go. Yeah.
0: Cabros on the top of the podium saying, you know, That's I it. thank my dad for. Absolutely. Yeah.
5: Yep. We'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful, hopeful is- but you never know. You never know. Huh? All right. All well, right. thanks yeah. for joining. All right. thank right. yeah, we really nice. appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it a lot. That's thank awesome. you. Cool, cool.
1: All right.
2: Well, we're going to take a quick restroom break for Gregor. Yeah, we're who's this next? one? Looks like it's sponsored by XL Power XL this Power. time. <laughs> this time. Bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by XL Power. Power. <laughs> awesome, Thank guys. For Thanks for well. joining Thank you, guys. I appreciate yep. it. Thanks, yeah. man. Awesome. Always a pleasure.
4: Awesome.
2: All right. Well, it sounds like it's about time to auto on out of here. And uh, I guess we will see everybody next month. Thanks for joining us.
1: Awesome. Thanks Great again, you everyone. Thank
2: you, guys.